Ready? All right, welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode, I know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) 25-5. And we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm running amok. (laughs) Yeah, we are all over the place. Uh, And uh, every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. Yet, this episode is of a specific generation. The generation next, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> back when pepsi was called that um i don't know what triggered it was just like we were talking about something on a whim yeah and i was like wait a minute you like that and i like this we just set up the rivalry right there <laughs> it's natural rivalry yeah it was like yeah here's here's what the rivalry like kind of was so let's just do like an episode about it right mm-hmm. <laughs> and um I never really got into this, so we're we're talking about uh, uh, the classic '90s 16-bit console wars, um, in which we're just the Sega versus Nintendo, the Super Nintendo or Super Famicom, and the Sega Genesis slash Sega Mega Drive. Though I think we're sticking with anything that just had a North American release. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. Though I think it's funny as well. They lay out the <laughs> table here. Rob suck. Rob is all about Genesis. Did you say Rob I think sucks. <laughs> I didn't, but you know what? For the rivalry, <laughs> Rob sucks. Um, no, no. Uh, Rob went with Genesis specifically, yes, yeah. if I remember correctly, because you're a big fan of the sound shit. Yeah, and I grew so, up with it, you know. Like, and I think it's common with a lot of kids from that era. Like, and, and even now, like you can, you can't. It's 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 rare and it's expensive to have more than one console. Mm-hmm. And so we think- we chose the Sega Genesis because it had Sonic and it had some of the arcade games that we loved as kids. And so I just, I fell in love with all the games. I fell in love with the sound. In my household, we had both, but because that was mainly because, again, as it's been referenced on the show many times, we were lucky enough mm. to have an uncle who handed me down a Super Nintendo. A brother had a, got a Genesis for his birthday one year. So between the two, we had both systems. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Turbo Duo came along when I was like 13 or so. But for the most part, yeah, we were the only house in the block to have both. Yeah. But with that said... I still always gravitate towards the Super Nintendo, which by the end of this episode, a revelation will be mentioned. We're like, <laughs> I understand now. It all makes sense. I'll, um, I'll say like right up front, I feel like the best composers of the Super Nintendo composing on the Super Nintendo against the best composers on the Genesis composing on the Genesis. I mm-hmm. feel like I still prefer music from the Genesis. I'm not going to lie. That doesn't surprise me. And I feel like because of this show, I've come to flip to that end of the spectrum oh, too. Really? Do you oh. think early on you were like like you know, Nintendo hardcore? One hundred percent. And in some comp- and in some comparisons, I'm still that way. Like if you were to say Zombies Ate My Neighbors on the Super versus Super um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors on the Genesis, mm-hmm. I can comp- I prefer the Super Nintendo soundtrack. Okay. Um, cool Spot, however, I prefer the Genesis soundtrack to the Super. Insane for Sparkster. Mm-hmm. I prefer the Genesis soundtrack to the Super. So it's a really weird place there. Like sometimes and other times, but as I've been doing this show with you over the months of picking tracks and discussing these things at a level that up until doing this show, I never got that deep in. I was usually just, this song sounds cool. Patapa tapa tapa. Now I'm like, you know, this has a very distinct sound that. I appreciate far more than I would have before. Like, this is where it's at. 
However, I still got to fight for my roots here mm. for the purpose of this episode. That's, that's Super Nintendo to the table. That's fair. That's fair. So we're going to be listening to you. So what we did was we picked... Ex- excuse me. I'm sorry. I haven't slept a whole lot, and I'm crazy. So by the end of the show, we're <laughs> going to be real loopy. So we picked um, four genres, and we're each mm-hmm. going to pick, I think... We're each going to pick a game of the game, not just the music, but the game that we think best represents that console, you know, to prove like this is what's really good, you know, to rival the other console. Um, Mm -hmm. So we picked uh, round one is going to be, I think, platformers. Mm -hmm. Round two is going to be shmups. And round three will be uh, sports games or racing games. And then in the round four in the bonus round, because, you know, it's the best part of the bonus round is RPGs, um, right. which I'm a little afraid about. Uh, Super Nintendo being so full <laughs> of the delicious JRPGs that Pernell loves so well. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, there's some good stuff on the Genesis, too. But um, I feel like, yeah, I was trying to skew things towards the Genesis here. We can have another episode where we can do, like, other ones, like... Um, what other genres are there? Adventure games, right? And we can do action adventure games. Yep. Uh, we'll do whatever one. If we both pick racing, then we do the other. If we both pick sports, we do the other. Yeah, we puzzle don't know games. Until we get there. Um, no, we miss puzzle games. I know. Every <laughs> puzzle game. He texted me, and you're like, "Are we doing puzzle games or what?" I'm like, "No, man. We're gonna pick the one that I want to do." <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, all right, but this this is an odd episode. So we're going to start with the Super Nintendo on each of these um, rounds, and we'll talk about maybe we'll just talk about like what, why we feel this game best represents that the power of that console and like what what it did that did better than the Super Nintendo. And then that's just the ones I picked did not have releases on the Nintendo. What about yours? Um, I would say that all of mine were console exclusive too. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, that's that wasn't was... even the intention, but it happened that way. Yeah, I want to be like, yeah, it, it wasn't just like better on this system. It was like a, a game that was made for this system, um, and all of them are fairly later in the series and later in the uh, the life cycle of the system. I'll uh, actually add a little bit of extra flavor to my picks before I even get started, which is that. So when I, before going into this, I had a worry or fear that I was going to shoot purely from nostalgia all of my picks or thereby maybe forgetting some stuff here and there so i was like you know what beforehand let me sit down and actually try to play some other games like bring up a list of games Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. just mess with them to get a flavor for how they felt and how they played and in some cases play pretty far into them just because i was really having a ball (laughs) which makes all the picks that i did come up with that much stranger or unexpected or expected depending on where your camp you're coming from yeah mine mine are a little they're gonna be a little left field for for people, I mean, maybe there's like one or two that are going to be like, oh yeah, sure. But like only one of these is really like super nostalgia for me. The rest of these are like I've heard about or I watched a lot of playthroughs or I played through on an emulator that I was like, wow, like I didn't know about this. And this is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, oh, so yeah. yeah, we'll get into that. So yeah, is, are starting platformers okay with you? Works for me. All right. What's your first, what's your first game? Well, Unbeknownst, unsurprising to anyone who's been on a Super Nintendo, my representation for platformers is going to be Super Mario World, <laughs> and the the track I'm picking is the staff roll. Oh, okay. And it was composed by Koji Kondo. I like that. All right, let's check it out. <laughs> Thank you. 
This is the part where Mario takes his clothes off. Mario! It's, <laughs> it's of me, the credits. Leave that um, <laughs> Welcome back. You were listening to the staff roll, or many loops of variations <clears throat> of the from the game Super Mario World, composed by Koji Kondo. It's a track that stays in my headspace. It doesn't really tend to leave. It just comes and goes as it pleases. Um, but, uh, so... The funny thing about picking Mario World for my choice for the platformer representation mm-hmm. is specifically due to the fact that Super Nintendo had a lot of platformers. It was a very mascot-heavy platform console. Had some cross-platform platformers, too, like, you know, cool spots and stuff like that. I didn't use Mega Man X because I feel like that's more of an action platformer. The game isn't really focused on precarious you know platform what? Like, jumps. We didn't like talk about that, but that's I did the same thing. Like I wasn't I was thinking about specifically like mascot platforming, hopping and bopping, as you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As the kids do. <laughs> <laughs> so but, but uh, this is like the first game. This was like packaged in with the Super Nintendo, right? Yes, it was, but that just goes to show you, in my opinion, how friggin' innovative Mario World was. Mm-hmm. Like, before this, I still feel like the most innovative platformer was Super Mario 3, which, again, is a shocker when you factor... That means Mario, 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 which pretty much went to him being the most innovative in platforming up through Mario 64. Mm-hmm. I digress. Um, but Mario World introduced, like... Well, other games kind of did it, but I feel like this one did it the best where it was like a map with mm-hmm. secret exits that led to other environments. In some cases, it was an interconnecting map, so you could go from one area to a different area before you were supposed to, and then go back if you felt like it to do the other exit, too. Like, they had secret, like, big treasure houses. It had secret stages. Mm-hmm. It had secrets within the secret stages. And the thing serious, that we were joking about earlier, we was like, I've never beaten this game. I was like, the funny thing about it is for as many levels as this game has, you can beat it in like ten minutes yeah. in less than like. 10 I need to stages. go back and like get into it, you know, because I do like I do like platforming games. Like I really enjoy playing them. I'm not good at them, but I I do enjoy playing them. And it's been a long time since I played a Mario game. They're they they are in my opinion they are timeless because one thing I can say, going through my recent adventure, is that I played a number of games, some of which I played before, others of which I hadn't. And a number of them were like, okay, this doesn't, this is okay, yeah. but I don't really feel drawn to want to keep going. Mm-hmm. What, so, what were some on your con- short list? I'm kind of curious about. Like, if, if Super Mario World is like the top, like what other, what others were you, were you uh, looking through? Maybe Sparkster, which that's kind of a brute because that was again on Genesis too. So yeah, like, yeah. I, um, I tried out Congo's Caper, which was one I always kind of envied back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Bonk, uh, Joe and Mac. Well, so those are two NEC games, man. Mm-hmm. Those are those are okay. Turbo, Turbo Graphics ports, right? No, no, no. Only uh, Super. No, actually, take that back. Super Bonk wasn't even a port. It was just Nintendo uh, Hudson Soft uh, made a game for oh, the Super. Okay, okay, just made a Bonk game, but it was his own mm-hmm. game. Um, Joe and Mac was an arcade port. I think it was <laughs> Data East. Um, oh no, you're right. I remember that now. Yeah. And then, aside from that, there were other games. Also, Buster, Buster Bust Loose. That was another one. We need to do an episode on just caveman games because there's a lot of them. They're really <laughs> like freaking are. What was it about like the '90s and caveman, the cave I, or the you know that 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 style? 
like... I don't know what it is. I guess maybe it's like simple mechanics, like the idea of like everything's primitive, which means you can take something that's like like a, you can take like a stone, but now it's a it's a, it's a machete stone. It makes it innovative somehow. I don't know. Uh, well, well, like I, I'm with you, man. Super Mario World is super like at the time and, and for a while after. Like this was the this was the the platforming game. I think even after like um, Donkey Kong Country and all those other ones came out, Super Mario World was still the one you would mm-hmm. want to play, right? Exactly, because mm-hmm. I will say, I will say Donkey Kong Country does belong on a shortlist because that game mm-hmm. has some brutal jumps and stuff, but the <laughs> problem is, this is actually, this is this is probably a positive for some and a detriment to others, in my case a detriment. It was pure platforming in the sense that I liked how Mario had a lot of the variety and like the different power-ups you could get. I liked the different, like the tonal shifts in the worlds you went to, the enemy variety. Whereas Donkey Kong Country was precarious platforming, but it was literally just like, it was pure hop and bop. Mm-hmm. You got the animals sometimes, but really it was about Rambi on the platforming yeah. stages and then freaking the, the unguard, the fish underwater. I'm sure it was like one other animal, but that just goes to show you how forgetful he was for me. I don't even remember him anymore. I remember unguard and I remember the rhino, Rambi. Um, so in that regard, I'm like, I look back on those games and I remember enjoying Donkey Kong Country, mm-hmm. but when I was done, I was done. I didn't really feel like playing it anymore. But Mario, I'll go back to it every freaking time mm. and enjoy myself. Now, okay, so for the Genesis, I did something a little different. I kind of went for like the most innovative, like graphically and sound-wise. Nuts. And so you didn't pick Kid Chameleon. That was my that was my number two, honestly. Sonic was kind of in there, but I thought Sonic was a little too on the nose because Sonic's a great, it's a fun platformer. But there are so many platformers on the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, what what franchise has some of the best platforming games on any system is Disney. Yes. So I picked World of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck for the Sega Genesis. Ooh. And I'll say I'll, and I'll say this right now. Super Mario Brothers does not have two-player simultaneous. <laughs> oh, mercy. That is true. For right. better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to listen to Stage 4, The Library, from World of Illusion for the Sega Genesis, composed by Hario Oguro and Tomoko Sasaki. I like this part right here. Woo. 
Hi, this is Stage 4, The Library, from World of Illusion, starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck for the Sega Genesis, composed by Hario Uguro and Tomoko Sasaki. Um, so this is a Disney game, but it's not Capcom. <laughs> this is actually um, developed by the uh, Sega AM7 team um, and published by Sega. So this is a, comp- this is a purely Sega joint, which is why uh, Tomoko Sasaki is on the soundtrack and probably why it's got such a great full sound. I mean, what's that? Like, there's like a, there's this bass section that like really fills out those chords. Um, I don't know if it came through the Discord, but you sounded like you were, you were digging that section. Oh, dude, oh, it came through all right. <laughs> It was a jam. I was a big, I was honestly a nice fan of it. And for the record, like, I'd never played um, World of Illusion. I played Castle of Illusion. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to hear a bit from this soundtrack for the first time. And funny enough, I did play one of the Mickey Mouse games, actually two of the Mickey Mouse games for oh. this episode, expecting to possibly put them on the mark, which was uh, the Great Circus Caper, mm. and I don't even remember what the other one was, but it was like basically the one where it was just Mickey Mouse, and the other one was Cal- I mean, Circus Mystery was like Mickey and Minnie. But I don't know what it was like. Mickey Mania, fantastic platformer. I'll go back to it to this day. Uh... Castle of Illusion. I'll go back to it to this day. For some reason, though, those other two, the ones I just mentioned, despite having Capcom design them and having cool costume mechanics, mm-hmm. didn't quite stick with me. Just didn't feel it. Didn't feel it. Well, this this one, I think we should we should try playing together sometime because um, it's it's short. It's really really short. It's been a long time since I played this one. I remember renting. Admit it. You, times. Just, you, just, you just want to make me feel frustrated. You know it. You know it's true. Two player co op platforming. Yeah, two player co op platforming. It's it's very interesting. But like the 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 animation, like they really. I thought this was Capcom, honestly. But like they really mimicked the the animation of a, of a Disney you know, feature film. And so it's really, it looks really good and it plays really solid. So they got, they got the mixture of the really fluid uh, jumping and walking and hopping animation with like really responsive control. It's really mm-hmm. cool. So this one, and then it's just really before uh, a Sega Genesis game, which isn't really known for having really bright colors is really vibrant. It's very cool. Now, like you think of Disney music as like kind of, uh, cinematic and orchestral and and really thematic on top of that you're not going to get that really clearly from the Sega Genesis hardware I, th- I th- so I picked the track that I thought would <laughs> would uh, lend itself a little bit more to uh, to the Sega Genesis FM synthesizer um, I think that mission accomplished yeah thanks yeah this is a cool one this is a really really cool one if if you're looking for some fun platformers on the Genesis this is one to go for. Um, again, on the short list, definitely Kid Chameleon. That that one is a blast. And I did look at Sparkster and then put that one away. <laughs> oh, there's a, there, there's some run and run and gun ones that I was going to put on there. Um, uh, Gunstar Heroes was mm-hmm. was a huge favorite of mine um, when I was in high school, but I thought that wasn't in the spirit of what we were doing. Agreed. Yeah, like, that's that's like also like saying like it could have been like Hard Corpse. But yeah, Hard Corpse is more of a running gun. The platforming is more just uh, another means to get more gunning in. So <laughs> it's not really about the platforming. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you really enjoyed this one. And this is—it's just a really cool game. It's a really cool soundtrack. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's what I got. Um, I'm not going to say who's going to win this one. I'm just saying like these are the two really great ones. You can you can decide for yourself. Maybe we'll have a poll online and you can vote. 
We should totally do a poll, though. I, I cringe at the thought of how it's going to play out. I, I swear, four to one. That was like, that was heavy. Like, uh, I'll admit, the, the picks you had, though, were freaking solid. But oh, I was still was like, but still, I was like, come on, people. I didn't think Under the Mask was, was going to, well, we'll talk about this at the end of the show. I didn't think I didn't think one of my picks was going to win. Um, but this this is definitely not a battle battle, but definitely a... Uh, Just a fun, fun like, schoolyard battle. Schoolyard comparison. Nine. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Smelly Purnell, that's the schoolyard joke. <laughs> I wish I had a garbage coach. Yes. Yeah. See, I feel like if I I need to get see I, that was that's what like I need to putrid, do. I'm putrid like, Purnell. Put, yeah, like get. I was going. Like, no, I, was, I had pixelated Purnell as an idea, but the question becomes: Is that something problem? Pilar could draw because that would be a good commission. Like, can you draw a garbage pail Purnell mm. card? I, but it would be pixelated Purnell, so it would still fit the theme of the show. Oh, we should we should reach out to her and um, actually we have, we have a few uh, really really good uh, art uh, talented artists who listen to the show. Um, I'm already losing my mind. Um, we need to <laughs> we should move <laughs> on. Hustle cook. We need to move on to the next genre. So why don't you why don't you pick the next one? All right, so I was I've been itching to pick this. So let's go with the schmoops. All right, number two. Sh- shoot them up. So vertical, horizontal. Um, it don't matter. It don't matter. It's just bang, bang, pew, pew. Blowing stuff up on the screen. Preferably with a ship. Yeah. Now, the funny thing about this, this is an example of one where my deep dive proved fruitful. Fruitful. Because originally <laughs> I was going to go... Fruitful, fruitful. Fruitful, um, because, because I was originally going to go with what I knew. And what I knew was Earth Defense Force or Gradius 3. Um, however, I was like, you know, there's a number of other shooters on this system. Maybe I can find something that actually I now feel stands out and is better. And I did. Um, that game is called Axelay, uh, which is done by Konami. And the track that I chose, there were a number of good ones because oh, holy cow. Fantastic soundtrack. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But I went with a track titled Silence. And it was composed by Taro Kudo. Thank you. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Silence from the game Axley on the Super Nintendo, composed by Taro Kudo. And this game is an unexpected mint product on this console and has definitely hit my mark for being in the running, if not the best representation of solid shooters on this console or shmups. So, like, you have the traditionals, like, in my opinion, I call it traditional, like, Gradius, which is, you know, left to right, generally. Actually, it's all left to right. Life Force is the vertical for that game. Um, so left to right shooting with the weapon pass selection and the options and all that cool stuff. This game does something, <clears throat> a couple of things differently that I I thought was especially, especially great. One, it pulled a Life Force where it had, you know, horizontal shooting and it also did um, like vertical shooting, in the, but it utilized mode seven to do it. So it's like almost like you're kind of going around a globe yeah. as you were flying, and then enemies would kind of crop up from below. Sometimes they would just kind of slowly pan out from the back as yeah, they were coming up on the arc. It's really clever. The uh, the horizontal stages are actually taller than the screen. So as you scroll up and down, you're actually scrolling the screen down. Um, which you didn't see in a lot of horizontal shooters. There's a few on the Genesis that did that. Um, I think a Thunder Force comes to mind, but you're right. I, there's very few that did this, like the Life Force style, uh, vertical to horizontal. It, it did a great job of it. Really I cool. loved it so much. Oh, and can we and talk uh, about that base? Ooh, base is so good. <laughs> and I'll tell you this other thing too. I totally forgot about. So the other big element to this game that's cool, and then we'll talk about the base because we gotta get to the base. <laughs> um. So, a lot of shooters, what they do is you fly, and you pew-pew, and they pew-pew back at you, and if you get hit, you die, unless you have a shield, in which case the shield takes the hit until you eventually die. This game does something a little different, though, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen another game do it, and if there is others like it, please tell me, claim to play them. So, at the beginning of a level, you choose three weapons, and as you play through the game, you unlock other weapons that you can use as well. Now, as you're flying around, you can switch between your weapons at will. But if you take a bullet while using a weapon, you lose the weapon for good. Well, let's not go too far. Until you die, you lose the weapon. And you get like a generic crap weapon in its place. <laughs> if you take another bullet while using the crap weapon, you die. So essentially, if you're really good with your weapons, you have you can take four hits before you die. Um, of course, if you take like if you physically crash into the side or to an enemy, you'll die immediately because your ship blew up. But I like the idea that taking a bullet it's like weapons disengaged oh crap you know switch to auxiliary weaponry you know it's like you can see the guy in the ship like oh no god cannon two's out cannon two's out um so i had a lot of fun like playing around you take that shot with your really your favorite gun like oh crap now i'm done with the turd gun i don't want to use this junk but you keep going because it's fun that way i think you picked uh, a really like well probably one of the finest examples on the super nintendo and there are a few really good shooters on the on the super nintendo but this is definitely up there and soundtrack wise too um i'm also i was also thinking uh, i thought you were going to pick from uh phalanx honestly i honestly never really done much with phalanx i still know that as the game with the banjo man yeah yeah just the weird advertising with the banjo man on the cover um, so on the Sega Genesis there, like it was really known for having a lot of, of shoot 'em ups and a lot of shoot 'em up ports on there. Um, so I went with, um, classic wolf team cause I wanted to hear some Matoi Sakuraba on this episode. 
Um, and there, there's some great soundtracks in all the Thunder Force games, uh, especially Thunder Force 4 comes to mind. But this is Soul Dis, or in Japan it is Soul Feast, um, is a horizontal scroller, and it's a space shooter, and it's got some of the coolest graphics I've seen on the Sega Genesis. Come and sit down, it's time for the Soul <laughs> Feast! <laughs> this is Mission 2, <laughs> The Silliest Moon. Uh, from Soul Dis for the Sega Genesis, and it's composed by um, one of Pernell's favorites, Motoi Sakuraba. Oh, baby. That was uh, Mission 2, Silius Moon, from the game Soul Dis for the Sega Genesis, composed by Matoi Sakuraba, um, proving, once again, that uh, shoot-em-ups on the home consoles in the 16-bit era were all about the keyboard solos. Just long keyboard solos. <laughs> and then that, and this, this track did it so, so well. Now, in yours, your track though, from Axley had kind of a turn in it too you know and this one had that that long breakdown that was just like building and building um so it's just unusual you know for i guess for these side scrolling games like they're the, the length of the stage is predetermined you know you know how long it's going to be it's never going to be shorter and it's never going to be longer so these tracks are generally a really specific length uh for the stage and so i know like trail i know like gate of thunder was really good for that one the track unless you paused it pretty much ended at the end of the stage yeah it's like I love seeing that. Like a lot of shooters don't pull it off, but the ones that do, it just feels like it's like it was orchestrated like they hit just the right spots. Right. Like you know that like when that build up is happening, there's like a mini boss coming in, or there's like a swarm of enemies coming at you. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I picked this one. I mean, it is it is a standard um, a side scroller, but I just I think the graphics on this one are, are some of the best on the Genesis. Uh, the amount of bullets on the screen is insane, um, and, but the mechanic is really cool where you have. Um, I think you use all three buttons on the Genesis, where like one's like your main fire in the middle, but then you can you can pick different weapons um, as you pick them up as you play the game on the top and the bottom part of the ship. And mm-hmm. I think you can drop them off 
if they get shot. I don't think they get shot off. I think if you die, you just lose them. But you can like have like your top ones like a laser and your bottom ones like a missile or your top ones like a spread ma like machine gun or something. Um, so it gives you a whole lot of options like how to play through this game. But it's very, very cinematic. And um, again, it's all these Wolf Team games on the Sega Genesis. I love uh, Sakuraba's soundtracks. They're so cool. They're so cool. Very much so. And I will say that um, I'm surprised in a sense. Well, I don't want to say surprised because, again, there were so many options and they were all good, including mm -hmm. one you picked. Oh, what do you think Have I was you gonna... played Musha? Yeah, no, Musha. I, yeah, Musha was up there. I thought Musha was a little on the nose. Like everyone, not everyone, but the, the, the Genesis Genesis fans know about Musha. <laughs> that is true. Musha was, but Musha was a jam. And now it sells for a stupid amount of money. So oh, if yeah. you want a physical... Good luck. Well, I'm glad emulation exists. I Not know. a shame. Not a shame. Like uh, my, my Dreamcast games. And I was selling some of my old Dreamcast games. It was the shooters that went for so much money. Um, uh, Mars Matrix went for uh, a pretty penny. So, yeah, I'm honestly, I'm, I, I think you noticed already. I'm, I'm experiencing mm -hmm. the, the beauty of the resale market now because I finally decided to unload a game. Mm -hmm. And it's moving. Yeah. It's gonna move, and it's gonna move for a lot. The the, the, the so uh, aftermarket for rhythm games right now is crazy. Like people are after them, especially because everyone's at home right now, and or everyone's kind of worried about going to places like Round One. So like the the the, the, the demand for them is pretty high. Mm -hmm. yeah, Give me that money, because I'll play the old game. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I saw my Guitar Hero controller, which I loved. It was my favorite one from uh, Guitar Hero World Tour. I, I wonder if it's. Cause there's like a there's like a computer version that's like a modded insane hard version that people are really into i wonder if, if, if that's your guitar would work on it they probably when they make those they design them with those guitars in mind yeah but I'm, I'm like i'm not gonna play it but i wonder if it's if there's like a market for it after because i've seen like on twitch a lot of people remember them remember way back in the day where we got uh i don't know who sold them but it was guitar freaks that we were playing but the red octane it was red octane it had five buttons on it even though you yep, only I still used got three. it in the closet. I've seen that everywhere. I think people are after those. Wow, because I still have that. I have an unopened. I have an open one, but I played like once and put it back in the bag. But I have an official Konami Guitar Freeze controller oh, wow. for guitar, plus the Red Octane guitar. That's have my Beatmania controller. I have all of my popping controllers, oh, dude. Uh, I know. I know. You, I know for a lot of that you won't get rid of, but like if you did, <laughs> people are after that stuff right now. And I even had the good pop of control with the rounded buttons, not the crap flat ones. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, sold these. If you if <laughs> pop and sold these. Yeah. If you, if you get the opportunity to check it out on YouTube and or maybe get an emulator because it's going to be hard to find. Uh, mm -hmm. Both Axelay and Sold these are fantastic titles. I would play them both. Yeah. I would lose at them both. <laughs> sad secret. I'm not the best at shmups. No. When I do beat them, I feel especially proud of myself. All right, so our last uh, round here is sports slash racing, which I think we stuck with racing, or did we go sports racing? I totally ended up going racing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> now, I'll admit, I did have a pick for sports, but the fun yet not surprising factoid here is that uh, I don't do sports like that unless they're like wacky sports games. And this was before wacky sports were rather more of a regular thing. So essentially, the only wacky sports game that I liked and got into on Super Nintendo was Kirby's Dream Course, which would be Mini Golf. And I was like, that's kind of was well, like for the this mu top. the Mutant League games not not wacky enough for you. 
I never liked Mutant League, believe it or not. I remember playing Mutant League, the new version of it at E3 two years ago, and they were like, you, you'll love this. And I'm like, I'm not feeling it, guys. Yeah, it's still a football game. I should it's, like it. It still plays like a football game, I think, is what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, I need enough of the things to be different to not even yeah. feel like it anymore. Golf is the exception because golf at its, at its core is pretty much a game, like a video game concept. It's like it really accuracy, is, yeah. power, strike, and all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, so. But I would have picked Mega Man Soccer for sports because I was like, Mega Man Soccer is up that alley. Um, but I decided to go with racing, and I did a deep dive again where I started researching and reading up on like, racing games. Some I've already played, others I didn't. I almost picked Stunt Race FX because that game <laughs> had a lot no of way. technical issues, but I still, I have, I'll admit, I liked it. But mm. it had some crap technical issues. Oh, yes. Um, so I, in good faith, could not pick that. Uh... I replayed my Top Gear games, primarily the first one, because that was the one I had the most memories of. Didn't quite measure up as I wanted it to for the picks on this episode. Like, I still have nostalgia, but I'm like, I don't think My, my cousin is best. way into Top Gear. He loves those games. Test Drive 2 would have been another potential option. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a game where like I'll play it, and I'm like, okay, I remember enjoying this, but it doesn't quite hit me. But just like the first pick I had, the obvious choice is the obvious choice, and I have to go with it. That choice is Super Mario Kart, the original <laughs> Super Mario Kart, because again, that created a freaking genre that to this day is still very prominent, and this one is still hailed by a lot of people as the best Mario I'll Kart. I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Believe it or not. Yeah, I, I think it is. This is my favorite. So the track I'm gonna pick is, it would have been the battle theme, but I don't think that's fair, considering that I want to talk about racing, not the battle mode. Mm. So, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Bowser's Castle, because I don't think I ever picked Bowser's Castle from this game at any point. Donut Plains, we've done like two covers, believe it or not. So, I don't want to go with Donut Plains, but Bowser's Castle, this rod, composed by Soyo Oka. Pardon me. Um, <laughs> you're listening to the Bowser's Castle theme from Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo composed oh, by Soyo yeah. Oka. So, Bowser's, every Bowser's Castle track in this game, and honestly, future Mario Kart games even, the tension was high on all of them. Um, in the case of Mario Kart 1, though, it involved a lot of 90 degree turns, <laughs> which were brutal in that game. Yes. Because uh, you get caught on those roadway. corners. Yes, and just like, just takes all your momentum away. You also had a lot of sections where the side walls just disappeared, so lava was an easy access death, or, you know, fishing. Because I've always found it funny that Lacky could fish you out of lava, yeah. but I digress. <laughs> um, also, you know, Twomps, which on the Mode 7 graphics, 
they were really weird at the time sometimes. Like, I just assumed that if I go under it and it's coming down, it's probably going to hit me because I can't time it with the way those graphics were designed. I just had to not be in the lane of the Yeah, tomorrow. yeah, they weren't three-dimensional. They were just, they were like two-dimensional, like, <laughs> like flat plane. Yeah, this flat plane. It's just like, there it is. Like, I can't gauge that distance. It's just there, man. Um, but despite it all, like, Mario Kart 1, even with all the other Mario Karts having been released that have improved on things, with Mario Kart 8 being the pinnacle of Mario Karting, Mario Kart 1 is still a fantastic game. It had the feather, which I'm trying to remember if they brought the feather back in 8. I think they did. But up until 8, there was no feather. And I still would go back to one on occasion just for the ability to jump on command. Yeah. Um, it, I love oh, the game. I think it was, still, wasn't it? Wasn't it Bowser's Castle that had that really good uh, uh, shortcut that you could use the feather on? Or that one, and also uh, one of the ghost houses. Yeah, the ghost houses. Yeah, that's right. Um, but essentially, it's like you go down like, this one narrow pathway, and it just kind of dead ends into like a lava pit. But if you have a feather, you can jump over it and then just hit the other road on the other side. Like, yes, moving, baby. Yeah. But no, you're right. Like this, this started like a whole genre of games of like cutesy racing games with lots of weapons and multiplayer support. And just, mascots. And mascots. I played super fast and had lots of different modes. It was just really clever. Um, yeah, I think the obvious choice in this case is the right choice. Oh, yeah. Because I'm trying to think, like, I mean, like I said, I played a couple of other racing games. They just don't measure up mm-hmm. to Mario Kart. They just don't. You know what's funny? is uh, <laughs> this, this round is the epitome of of the battle of of the of the console wars of the era because you've got like you the virtual racing <laughs> no 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 because like because nintendo was like all like you know trying to have like fun cute mascots you know and appeal to families and sega genesis was like we're gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> you ready to race yeah are you an angry teenager well because i picked from road rash <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, Road Rash was my jam back in the day. So I picked uh, Road Rash Two for the Sega Genesis, um, also composed by Rob Hubbard and uh, Don Vega, uh, because uh, Road Rash Two was the first one to include multiplayer support, and I played the heck out of this game. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is like, you know, it's, it's literally riding motorcycles and hitting each other with chains, as opposed to like. <laughs> You know, throwing Koopa shells at Yoshi. You know, it's just so different. It was very rough. But like, I just picture yeah. someone getting hit in the face with an actual chain. I know. And be like, "Whoa, he's still on the bike somehow. He's still riding." It's like, are you going to finish the race, or you just knock everybody off else off their bikes? And you have to kind of make that choice as you play. But uh, but no, it's it's. I have this is the nostalgic game for me. Me and my friends in like junior high or whatever, we would we would come home and just play this game constantly, over and over again. Um, just because it was just, just the, the, the multiplayer was such a good time. Um, so I picked the Alaska track from Road Rash 2, composed by Rob Hubbard and Don Vega.
really good. Yeah. Now that, this might be one of our more fire episodes for track selection. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, you are listening to Alaska from Road Rash 2 for the Sega Genesis, composed by Rob Hubbard and Don Veka. This is a jam. Like, those those guitar solos are the, like... There's, there's a thing between, like, the, the Super Nintendo try to do heavy guitar sounds and guitar solos, like with Mega Man X, and mm-hmm. the Genesis had kind of the same thing, especially with Rob Hubbard and, and, and uh, the EA titles, like Skitchin and stuff like that, where they were trying now, to... Skitchin emu- was my jam! Yeah, or um, uh, uh, what's the comic sound, where they tried to emulate a heavy guitar sound, and I feel like it works really well in the Genesis. It's a little grating, it's a little <laughs> heavy on the... On the high end, but it's it works really well, and so um, I had to pick this track. I had to pick this game. Um, it's it's amazing. Um, it's again, it's a really really fun one with friends, and the soundtrack is rocking. It's it's definitely a, a different uh, a vibe than Mario Kart, though. Yes, it is. Like you, it's like the thing about it. Like it's funny. Like they've made sequels to Road Rash or Correction sequel because I think they stopped at Road Rash 3D. Mm. But I think two still held the pivotal torch of excellence in the franchise. Well, I did have Road Rash 3D and I did enjoy it. Oh. But two was just a gem. Uh, so do I prefer it to Skitchin? Honestly, I think I do. But I do still like me some Skitchin. Yeah, Skitchin's cool. Like it's just different. You know, the uh, the Road Rash games had a lot more speed about them. Yes. Um, along with the violence. and uh, But yeah, 2 it was like, hey, let's take what we liked about the first one, which, which made it popular, and just improve on those parts rather than change too much about it. And, and mm-hmm. part, yeah, part of that was multiplayer support. Part of that was just like all the different bikes that you could choose from. And there was just a lot going on. More weapons. On. Yeah, more weapons. Um, but yeah, it was just it was really interesting. Really interesting game. Um, and definitely part of that whole... Sega trying to appeal to teenagers and college kids. Um, the thing I find interesting as a question, though, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to really process because I can't come to a decision. But what was what felt harsher, getting hit with a red shell in Mario Kart, <laughs> or getting decked with a freaking chain and knocked off your bucket road rash? And I'm going to probably go with the latter. I don't know. It took a lot of precision to nail that chain. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I was gonna say I would say the red shell just would make me angrier because it, it didn't take as much skill on your part, but like <laughs> but the, the chain probably the felt chain. better to do because it's like, yeah, you had to like line it up just right. You gotta yes. yeah. in your face. It's like the guy's right up while you're like, get away from me, get away, you're trying to swing your weapon, they're swinging at you. It's like that one well timed hit is your last bit of stamina, you go flying off your bike, it's like this is personal. What's, this what's is really personal. What's hilarious about um, Road Rash is often like you actually have to slow down to like make sure you hit somebody, and so like you're deciding like I'm not going to win this race by being faster. <laughs> I'm gonna win I gotta knock people out. <laughs> and another thing I didn't even think about: like, did you used to play with this method where you were like you were like in a weapon fight with a guy, but then you're like, wait, there's a car coming up. Yeah. So you just kind of edge him behind the car so they slam into it. <laughs> Like, those are things that, like, I want more games to bring that kind of stuff mm-hmm. back because there hasn't... The closest we've had was that one Road Redemption game, but that wasn't all that great to me. Mm-hmm. I tried to like it. I played it at Ed Wilson's house once when we were up there together for uh, for the convention for RetroCon. And then, uh, again, I played it here because it came out on a PC locally and I could actually run it. Mm-hmm. It just didn't quite click in the same way that Road Rash does. I can't explain why. I think it's why I really like the the Wipeout games 
because it's not just really slick and futuristic and um, and lots of fun like fun racing, but there's so many items and weapons, and it gets really competitive uh, multiplayer. Um, and then, of course, and I'm not sure if there's anything like this in Road Rash or the other games, but there's like one weapon that's like a one-shot, like done, like kill, and it'll knock people out of the game. If you're playing multiplayer with with a friend and you use that on your like, you just can't play anymore. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the golden gun for Wipeout. Yeah, it was essentially like that. I remember uh, me and Ian used to play it all the time. And uh, and we would be like, okay, if you get this thing, you can't use it on each other. And then and, and inevitably we would use it on each other. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're when the chips are down and you want to win, honor goes out the window. It's like, remember that promise I made? Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> Button press. Yeah, it's like no! as, soon as, uh, as soon as like that, yeah, the gloves come off and... Uh, and I have done that with games in the past, where it's like it's like a, it's like a kind of like a verbal agreement to not do a certain tactic, but then you're losing, you're losing bad. It's like you know what? I think that's you know what? I think that forms how we play board games now, where it's like we never do that thing, where it's like okay, but in the next, if you do this, then in the next two moves, I won't do this, you know, because we know that in the next two moves, something's going to change. And I will say I've done that in some. It's a bargaining tool. It's like look. I, I, I can't deal with this right now. Let's not go down this road. You know it's not going to be pretty. So let's just... You do a different thing. Okay. Go our separate ways. All right, but let's be real. If I proposed it, you wouldn't trust me. I probably wouldn't. But <laughs> if we shook on it, and I knew I had a counter if you were nigged, I would. And I have done... I feel like I've done that. Because I've had that... Because honestly, what usually bulls it, I'm like, come on, Rob. Let's not go there. You're like, I'm in it to win. Yeah. <laughs> you just do it anyway. Like, why would you do that? No, no, no. I got to beat everybody, including you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what makes it work. All right. I'm going to turn this track down, and we're going to get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. <laughs> bonus round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bonus round is where we play uh, covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme and the final round between uh, the 16-bit consoles here is the RPGs and again we picked specifically for the bonus round because there's always really good arrangements and covers for RPG music oh yeah and there's no exception today because suffice to say I went hard on this one. Yeah. Went hard. You got and a lot of good stuff to choose from, too. And the funny part is, I didn't have to go far for this one. It was just kind of right in my face oh. in a beautiful way. You gloating. This is right. I am gloating. Yes, right. Beat my chest. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this track is called Corridors of Time. Oh. It's from the game. You know what the favorite is. Like, honestly, I personally feel like Final Fantasy VI is the best on the system. But I know the chips. I know where they lay. Mm-hmm. And those chips lay on Chrono Trigger yeah. or the best RPG on the Super Nintendo. And so, like I said, quarters of time. And this cover was done by 61 Forte.
Welcome back. You are listening to The Corridors of Time from Chrono Trigger, covered by 614Te, an exceptional musician by any means that I know. This guy, I'm just going to get this out of the way, he is a friend of mine, but uh, he pretty much has a one-man studio in his home, and he has a, a variety of instruments of which he's played. Every sound you hear in this song, he's playing it on an instrument. There's no modulation taking place at all. He's playing everything. Mm. And he's got instruments there that, honestly, I've never even seen before. He actually plays intentionally and not comedically an automaton. <laughs> I've only ever seen people use that thing as a comic use item, but he plays it seriously. It's amazing. It's um, just, but, this, is, this is an amazing cover. This might be one of my favorite covers of this song. And this is a beautiful song I, I love already to begin with. I agree. Like The thing about it is, like, as you already know well enough, Generally, if I'm looking for covers, I'm the guy's like, oh, it's got to have hard-hitting rock. I need a guitar. I need to feel like my teeth are grating. <laughs> no, but sometimes, sometimes I do a shift, and that shift usually comes with piano mm-hmm. or exceptional, exceptional, like, change-ups and talent and yeah. just, like, things that I'm not used to hearing otherwise in covers. I thought, I thought for sure you were going to go heavy metal on me. Or like rockabilly or something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so now I kind of want to hear some rockabilly. It's been a while, but well, here we go. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> fancy you say that. No, um, no, this is really good, and I love the use of that instrument. It's called the kalimba. It's like you, you play it with your thumbs. It's like uh, it looks like little pieces of metal across a board, like uh, metal fingers. Yeah, and that that is the perfect instrument for this track. It's so cool. Um, that that plinky sound works so well. Um, all right, so I'm going in a completely different direction. Um, one of the greatest JRPGs of all time, Pernell. It, if it's not this one, I'm going to be shocked. Fantasy Star 4? That's, it's the one, yeah. I was like, and I, there you go. And then, <laughs> the light on the point at you. Right. That's right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about... Um, oh, my God, my brain is just dead. What was the, the, um, the, the term? Fantasy one? Star 4. Fantasy Star Four. Yeah, but I was originally going to go with a turn-based one. The the, the they're turn-based. all turn-based. The, the, you know what I mean? The strategic one. Oh, oh, Shining Force Two. Shining Force Two. Yeah, which I thought was really really great. But um, I think this one's for me. Fantasy Star Four hits it because it just tells this story that takes place a millennium after Fantasy Star Two, um, and with all of these characters being parts of its history in the past and it really continues that that idea and the story and the themes and the fact it's that it's also on the f- it's all it's all futuristic and it doesn't just it's not just um a fin a fantasy world and it doesn't star ocean it where to give you this futuristic stuff and then takes it all away exactly <laughs> uh, but i hate about star ocean but the uh, the soundtrack to um fantasy star 4 is enormous and is very very cool so i actually picked um, the this is the title track called the end of the millennium and it is the arranged track it's an arranged bonus track from the official album so this is the, it's called the 1993 arranged bonus track the end of the millennium and it's composed by isuho takauchi and the arrangement of this track is uncredited but it did come out i think a year after the game was released or along with the release of the game so let's dig in
All right, and we're back. That was the end of the millennium, the 1993 arranged bonus track from Fantasy Star 4, the end of the millennium, composed by Isohu Takauchi and arranged by Uncredited, probably also uh, Isohu Takauchi. So, um, but yeah, I just, I really liked that 90s sound. Like it's already like kind of a 90s sound from the Genesis, but then like in the way it's composed, like on a, on a, on a much bigger uh, set of setup and the drums are really heavy. And you mentioned it, it reminded you of a Persona 1 a little bit. Yeah, I honestly could totally mm-hmm. hear this as being a track you'd hear in a Persona 1 dungeon. Yeah, it's, it was very much on the level for that. It's really cool. This is actually a game I've, I've never really played. And I, um, I think this is something I would like to go back to because everything I've read says that it actually it moves pretty quickly. And yes and no. I will say this, give you that preemptive statement. So <laughs> if I remember, I mean, I've beaten the game, but what I do remember is there were like maybe three sticking points where it had me, it required me to stop and grind a little bit to mm. beat the boss. But aside from that, I would say the narrative does move pretty, pretty quickly. Like it, it, it's pretty snappy. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I'll, the walking speed on the ground is actually very fast. Like you don't feel oh, like the guys good. are trudging. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. But I like the anime style, like on the cutscenes and like on the uh, the dialogue scenes. Um, it's oh, fun. those comic scenes are fantastic. Yeah, it's very cool. It looks really good on the Genesis. Like you'd think it would be like on the Sega CD or on the Saturn, but um, that's just a really good job. And, and I think it was very expensive when it came out because it probably $100. was probably $100. Yeah, a lot to produce. The, the cart held a lot more data than some of the other carts on the system. So. Um, a lot went into this, but anyway, for it was more that in, hmm? I was sorry, I was like, it was that in virtual racing. They both launched around the same time. They were a hundred bones a piece. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause I think there were extra chips on the virtual racing cartridge for the three, for the three D. Um, it was a big deal. That was a big deal. Pernell three D it's going <laughs> really to be, fu- be the future. <laughs> I'm waiting for five D <laughs> it's going to happen. All right. For more information on the bonus round, go to rhythm and We'll have links to the, band camps and sound clouds and everywhere where you can buy the music and support the artists. All right. Thanks for joining us on episode 25 dash five of rhythm and pixels. We finally did it. The console wars are over. <laughs> I'm sure unless there's a sequel that comes up but at that point we I'd actually request that the listeners suggest that they want us to do like another console matchup um, but other than that the, yeah, I think you agree this is pretty much like the penultimate of console matchups in the sense of like us growing up and what we experienced because I feel like even now they still have like these headbutts of like Xbox versus PlayStation yeah. or the trifecta when they throw the Switch in there or whatever but it feels less pure, mm-hmm. less pure, because it's, it's adults having these arguments, and it's always done in this way where I'm like, every system has so many good games now that I don't even see the point of it at this point. Like, you buy what you can afford and you play it, whereas back in the day, we were kids, money was already tight, but there was already also, the systems felt so different from each other that I felt like the comparison was like, as it was more on the nose. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it had to do with the, the the physical media of the time, like having actual cartridges, like they felt like real objects. Um, maybe I, I can see that. There's something about that. But at the same time, like, no, I agree. I see because I was going to say something about the Switch having like one of the perks of the Switch being like the crazy like mm-hmm. online library it has. But 
at the same time, I don't really hold that in as much of a, of a as much of esteem as I would if it was like, here's this really cool console, like cartridge library mm-hmm. I have sitting here. Take them to school, show them to your friends. I can't take my Switch library to work because no one cares. Yeah, <laughs> which but sucks. I was, but I was trying to talk is. about this with uh, with Christy over dinner, and um, I was thinking about how how different the landscape was also during this period where a lot of these composers, like they worked specifically for these, for companies. Like there's the Capcom composers, there's the Sega composers, like Koji Kondo was Nintendo, you know? And mm-hmm. you, you look at the composer lists now for specific games and they're not really company specific. Maybe that was a Japanese thing or maybe it was the time of the nineties, but it was definitely a time like not just that, games were better on one system or the other but even straight to the music like you weren't going to have a lot of the same composers on one system than you would have on another system um, oh and that's another thing uh, I even think about till you just said that another thing hits and the sound itself mm-hmm. so when you compare we were talking about Super Nintendo and Genesis yeah they use different sound chips um, different sound boards everything came out differently by virtue of what the composers had to work with now you compare a PlayStation and an Xbox. There's nothing different there. Yeah, they're going to they, they have the they have the potential to sound exactly the same. Like I'll tell Switch you, too. yeah. Like as a kid, I did not like the Super Nintendo sound. I thought things sounded weird and like springy and dull and off tune. So, for example, the the the, the Super Mario track you played, right? It sounded mm-hmm. like an accordion the entire time, right? Like just a weird wacky accordion. And to my ears, that's like, it seems kind of strange. But then that Axel A track, are mm-hmm. you kidding? That thing is like cool. That, that track is absolutely cool. Um, whereas with the Genesis, it's all very hard, you know, round, like like the, 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 the notes are clearer, right? It's all like really, really clear. And the bass gets so, so low. Um, it's just very, very different sounding. So straight down to the, the sound of the machine, like very different sounding machines but yeah but now it's like yeah the switch and the playstation 4 are going to have very <laughs> similar sounding music right it's all mm-hmm. it's all it's all up to the composer what they decide what they what how they want to have it in the game and when i compare mm-hmm. the two systems now thinking back i perceive the genesis as having the more experimental and better quality overall mm-hmm. sound but the trade-off is that the super nintendo has more vibrant colorful graphics yeah, yeah, it does, it does seem that way. I didn't really notice that when I was younger until I got older and was like really comparing the two. Um, that, that, that that there was a di- big difference there. But um, but anyway, anyway, thanks. If you have like a, a, a an opinion on this, I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> or if you have a track suggestion or a topic suggestion, please send us an email to our email address. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And if you'd like to see a full track listing for this episode and uh, get access to all of our episodes, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. And you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's Rhythmandpixels, all one word. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Rhythmandpixels. All of our episodes are uploaded there. We have a few extras from our live shows and we have a uh, 24-7 a radio station playing nothing but 18, uh, 18, 8-bit and 16-bit classics and deep cuts. Um, and we've got a lot of new suggestions coming through for that radio station through our Discord server. So you can get access to our Discord server through the website. Um, it's on the uh, the menu bar there. The link works now. I'll just say that. <laughs> so it's all fine. <laughs> There's a whole channel in there for just discussion around um, additions to the radio station which um, has like 800 songs on it right now it's all curated by us 
So if there's stuff you wanted to add, let us know. Um, and if you'd uh, like to support the show, um, just tell people about it. That makes a big, big difference. Um, or Stencil you can, it on the gray. Yeah, or you can um, get uh, some uh, T-shirts. Go to rhythmandpixels.com slash merch where we have some cool t-shirts. Pranel and I were just talking about how uh, we really like our new Run VGM uh, t-shirts. And honestly, um, I think I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> it's like, honestly, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I, oh, I, I just realized something. I should mention this right now because it's really funny. Yeah. So a friend and listener of the show messaged me a couple days ago and said, I wanted to let you know about something, which is that it may be just a tick that you have. Not you, but me. Yeah. Um, a tick that you have where you do this unexpectedly but i feel like it's disingenuous but since i know you personally i don't think you're using it in that manner but i wanted to let you know in case someone that doesn't know you personally would think so and that is my use of the word honestly oh really i caught myself almost saying honestly i love the shirt and then i'm like wait a minute maybe i should just try not to say it but it's it really is a tick it's because a fight, now right? no way <laughs> i'm like i say it it's like a natural thing and honestly honestly gah! <laughs> but it's funny that that's actually a thing that came about. I love catching people and figure out what their like what their tick statement is, what their go to is. <laughs> Just because you almost said honestly. Uh huh. <laughs> but anyway, go, go, go check out the go, go check out the t shirts. Um, I think they're really cool. I'm honest. I'm honestly. <laughs> if I'm going to be honest here, I'm throwing out all my other clothes. I don't have to wear anything else. I just I don't even, I'm just gonna say it without even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you can also support us by going to Patreon.com/slash Rhythm and Pixels. Um, as a member there, you get access to a prequel episode every week. You get access to a live streamed recorded episode every month, where we record an episode in front of you guys, and we have like a live chat going on, and that's that's just a lot of fun. Um, and you get, um, there's some special stuff you can get with the radio station too. You get special shout outs on the radio station. You can even record your own message to be in rotation on the radio station on YouTube. Um, and at specific levels, I'm sorry, at specific levels on Patreon, we'd like to thank everyone. So thank, uh, frankly, Zappa, that Nick Walker, Mike Myers, Ed Wilson of the VG embassy. Thank you very much. Uh, Matt's Holmquist. Michael Jennings, Davey Cakes, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Sonic Medley, Taco, Harold Howard, Dave Taylor, Reinhardt Zalkova, Andreas Merlberg, Dan Loughton, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, The Autistic Gamer 89, Cameron Worma, Christopher Shenstrom, Bobby Arson from One Up Funk, Wicked Sephiroth, Carlos from the Heroes 3 podcast, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast, and Brian Pitt. So I do. We do appreciate everyone here, um, and seeing your names every week just means a whole lot to us, and, and, and encourages us to do more. And actually, I agree. The end of this month, the end of this month, November is our fifth anniversary of the podcast. So that is coming didn't up. See, didn't see it getting this far. Glad it got this far, yeah. and I'm interested in seeing it going farther did to you, the moon did you think that not just the podcast but our friendship would survive five years of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't i genuinely <laughs> felt at some point in time you would have gotten really annoyed with me in some way like jesus perry i keep missing <laughs> deadlines i was like record this week and you were like but i'm busy Rob, I, gotta, I thought you were gonna I say gotta, i thought i, I was pastry. gonna get annoyed with you but you annoyed with me that's funny 
Um, I totally see it. Like, he's like, for now, you're late again. Like, I'm sorry, man, but this tea won't pee itself. I, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> do it. No, I, think, I gotta uh, do it. I think we've actually gotten uh, a closer through the podcast, so. I concur. Yeah. So there you go, folks. If you have a friend you want to bond with, do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, do a podcast, do a YouTube show. I don't know. Just do a project and then force them to do it. <laughs> if there's a girl you like or a guy you like, wink, wink, get them to do a podcast. That's <laughs> 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 Dating tips, right? Hey, baby, you want to do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Would I? I've been waiting my whole life for someone to ask me that. My whole life. Jeez. Crap. All, all the podcasts and all the gin joints in this town. You had to walk in. There. You had to talk in. <laughs> you had mind. to broadcast on the mind. broadcast on the mind. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, I don't think we have a. I don't think we picked a topic for next week's show, but we probably should do that real soon. Um, but we'll take care of that. Funny part is we did come up with a topic for the Patreon episode during this episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll announce that next week. Um, actually, that's that's gonna happen. Wait a minute, scheduling wise, that's gonna. Maybe ha- we'll announce it now because it's gonna come up sooner than you think. Yeah, it's gonna have to because it's going to conflict with the uh, the anniversary show, which we need to decide mm-hmm. what day we're gonna do that. So, um, so that means that our our podcast. I'm sorry, our Patreon show is going to be about food, feast or famine, mainly yes. feast. So we're talking about anything with food-related uh, uh, anecdotes or food-related games. Um, yeah. Or just games with really good food. <laughs> yeah, you know, turkeys that you find in the walls, um, uh, apples that you find in trash cans, anything that gives you health, we'll, we'll take care of that. Cooking mama. Cooking mama. Cooking papa. Cookie mama. <laughs> Cookie Monster. Cookie the Monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, that's going to be our topic. We'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll talk more about it at the beginning of the next show so that everyone's kind of aware of what's going on. And we also post about it on Facebook and on Patreon and, and everywhere else so that um, everyone gets a kind of a heads up on what's happening with the show. So um, thanks for everyone for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a safe week. We'll see you next time. And remember... This is a doozy. Um, so we, for folks in the States anyway, though, this is international. So even our international listeners know what's going down. Um, we just had a major election. Uh, that election had a result. And, of course, now we have heads budding as they do. Um, there's also a number of people out there who are doing the thing where it's like, we're all friends in this, such and such and such. And that can go either way depending on who's listening to it. I approach that concept from a different angle, and that angle is as such. You know, I'm not here to tell anybody how to feel about anything in that regard. We all have our own personal feelings about how interactions took place during this whole thing, and how it played out, and how it went down. What I will say, though, is that while friendship is a thing that is earned, it's not a thing you just give away willy-nilly to, you know, to placate society. I will say that we do still live together in a society. Though we don't have to be friends with each other, we do have to coexist with each other. And by that, what I mean is, even if you're not hanging out with people, invite them over for dinner, or cupcakes, or cookies, still want to look out, have the best intentions at heart for your neighbor's well-being. And what I mean by that, I say this is a guy who's gotten death threats, who's gotten 
yelled at in the street, has gotten some verbal altercations, all sorts of garbage. And I still state this. We coexist, and if we just look at each other as like blatant enemies indefinitely, it's just going to get worse. And while we may not be able to kick that up our political ladder to our representatives, per se, we can do it within our own communities. I'm not saying drive down to, you know, your favorite urban society or your, you know, local bumble zone and be like, hey, man, want a cookie? But I am saying, you know, respect the existence of your neighbor because they're still your neighbor. Politics does not change that. It will never change that unless they decide to move away, in which case, yeah. But if you don't, they're your neighbor. And you need to acknowledge that as such. It's just better for everybody, including yourself. So, moving it down.